Honey, could you bring me uh, the water? I forgot that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, welcome back to 50 Days of Unleashing Hope. The books are in, and so uh, be sure and get your book today. And uh, if you're like my wife, you may not put it down until you've read it. Um, it's, uh, it's an amazing book and a, a wonderful author. Uh, Ray Johnston is the pastor at Bayside Covenant Church. I used to uh, work with Ray back when I was a youth pastor. He and I uh, were uh, youth pastors of two of the larger covenant churches in, the, in California. And so we would plan all of the camps at Alpine. Uh, Ray and I would do that. He's just a wonderful man, and he has a very accessible way of speaking the truth, and you'll really enjoy the book uh, that Ray has written. So today we're going to help you to leave this building with more hope, hopefully 7 or 8 or 9 or 10%, some of you 20% more hope than when you came in with. Today the title of the message is Play to Your Strengths. Play to Your Strengths. Andy Stanley, who's one of my favorite authors and preachers, says that when he, he identifies a staff member for his church, um, he identifies their skills, their gifts, their spiritual gifts, their abilities, and then he asks them to play to their strengths. In other words, yeah, we all have weaknesses and flaws, and you like to work on those, but we said a real leader is someone who identifies what their strengths are and then really focuses on those strengths. That's how leaders are made. Well, this morning I want to ask you to begin a series of questions that will kind of set the stage for our message today. And, um, and you don't have to answer out loud, but I want you to hear these questions and kind of reflect on them. The first question is this, do you want to have a life that is one level above the boring existence lived by the vast majority of people? Now, oh, now I said you didn't have to answer, Mrs. Cross, but thank you for that answer. <laughs> She's my best parishioner, you know. <laughs> Question number two. Do you want to live in a way that when you get to the end of your life, you have few regrets? Question number three. Do you want to have a life where God actually uses you to change things? And finally, do you want to live a life that is exciting fulfilling, exhilarating, and occasionally terrifying, but where you actually make a difference. Now, to that one, I would like to hear your answer. Okay, that was really mediocre. Let's try that again. Do you want to live a life that is exciting, fulfilling, exhilarating, occasionally terrifying, where you actually make a difference? There we go. There was a seminary professor at Fuller years ago who said, the way to answer those questions in the affirmative is to play to your strengths. And he added these words. Find out what your spiritual gifts are and then build your life around them. Anything else will lead you to misery and mediocrity. He said, play to your strengths. Today I'd like to share some information from the Bible with you. By the way, I want to introduce, I want to say once again, we haven't said this for a few weeks, Read your Bibles. It's amazing what you'll find in there. It's incredible. Uh, today we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 12. So if you want to be turning in your Bibles, your iPhones, your smartphones, your iPads, anything that you have the Word of God on, turn there. We'll have it in your, uh, on the screen as well. But we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 12. 
Now, having this information today and acting on it, it's not enough just to have information, by the way. Satan has all the information that the Bible has, right? So it's more than just knowing the information. It's acting on it. Having this information and acting on it will change your life. Now, have you ever said, boy, if I only knew what I know now, it would make a world of difference, right? I mean, we, we know that, right? In 1994, if you have invested $10,000 in AOL, <laughs> in Microsoft, it would be worth $5 million today. In 1996, when a little company by the name of Yahoo got started, if you had invested $10,000 in stock today, it would be worth $3.8 million. If only I had known, of course, I don't have $10,000 to invest, but if only I had known what I know today, it would make all the difference in the world. There was the pastor who went to visit one of the elderly parishioners in his church. Uh, she lived by herself. She was pretty much blind. She didn't hear very well, but he wanted to go and have a cup of tea with her and visit with her and pray for her, and so he did. As she was talking, he noticed on the coffee table a bowl of peanuts, and because she didn't have very good eyesight, he figured, well, I could take a couple of peanuts and it won't hurt anything, so he did, and they were so delicious, he kept eating them until they were all gone. At the end of his conversation with this woman, uh, he said, Mrs. Smith, I have a confession to make. Uh, while you were talking, and by the way, I loved everything you had to say to me, while you were talking, I ate the entire bowl of peanuts. She said, oh, pastor, don't worry about it. That's no problem whatsoever. She said, my teeth don't work very well, and so I love to buy chocolate-covered peanuts, suck the chocolate off them, and put them back in the dish. So you are absolutely welcome to enjoy. If you had known before what you know now, it makes all the difference. <laughs> Folks, I'm going to give you some information from God and from His Word, and I believe this info, rightly applied, has the power to change your life. We're going to talk about something that really churches have been talking about for quite a bit since the 1970s, but really the last 10 years or so, it hasn't been talked about very much. I felt it was really important to give you the best hope quotient you possibly can to give you this information about your spiritual gifts. That's right, your spiritual gifts. So today we're going to talk about discovering and developing your spiritual gifts. So if you have your Bibles or your uh, devices, let's look at uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want to read just the first uh, seven verses of that text. And I'll be reading from the NLT uh, any version you have will be very similar. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. This is really important, Paul is saying. You need to hear this. You need to understand this. Verse 2, you know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one is speaking by the Spirit of God, that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Then verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So we're going to look at that and some other verses in 1 Corinthians 12 and uh, help you discover and develop your spiritual 
gifts. So the first question, what, what I'd like to do is to kind of put some bones around this message. I'd like to ask you five foundational questions and hopefully ask those questions, answer those questions, and that will give you a foundation in which to discover and develop your spiritual gifts. So uh, five foundational questions. The first one is this. What is a spiritual gift? Um, years ago, my favorite uh, author and speaker was Chuck Swindoll. Now, he's still living and still is ministering, but you don't hear much about him anymore. But Chuck Swindoll has the best definition of spiritual gifts that I've ever seen. Here's what it is. A spiritual gift is a God-given ability that enables a Christian to function in God's family with three things. Ease, efficiency, and a sense of accomplishment. So what Swindoll is saying is that every believer that is born again, that has Christ as his Lord and Savior, every believer, every Christ follower, when they became a Christ follower, they received the Holy Spirit, and when they received the Holy Spirit, they received the gift or gifts that he desired to give to them, every single one, every single time. And when you discover your spiritual gift, when you understand what it is, and some of you may have more than one gift, may have many, but when you discover that, you will be able to use that in the body of Christ to encourage and help the body of Christ with ease, efficiency, and a sense of accomplishment. Now, if we were to take Pastor Barb, Pastor Barb, hi, uh, she'll listen to this sermon. She always listens on Monday online. Um, if we took Pastor Barb out of the children's ministry department, God forbid, and put her on the financial resource team, we would have a lot of losses. <laughs> Serious losses over here and losses over here. That's not what she's gifted to do. That's not where she is gifted. That's not where she excels. That's not where she explodes with enthusiasm. When you identify what your spiritual gift is, you will use that to enhance, to further the body of Christ with ease, efficiency, and a sense of accomplishment. We do not, I do not just say, you know what, I think I'm going to take a Sunday off. I think I'm going to ask Mike Edwards to preach, okay? I don't do that. Mike, first of all, would say, I'm not showing up that Sunday, but, uh, uh, but I don't do that. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you how we decide who preaches. First of all, I make that determination, and I preach most of the sermons, as you know, but I've identified in our church certain individuals who have the spiritual gift of preaching and teaching. Now, Pastor Brandon is one of those. Pastor Corey is one of those. Steve Reed is one of those. Alyssa Brooks Dowdy is one of those. And, so, and now, three of us are ordained. Two of them are not. But the fact is they have been spiritually gifted by God to preach, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And so you'll see them periodically up on this spot. You wouldn't want this spot, believe me. It's scary up here because you have to look at you. And if you had to do that, you would not be, you'd be scared too. So what you have to do is identify your gifts, your specific gifts, and when you do, use them in the body of Christ with ease, efficiency, and a sense of accomplishment. Okay, question number two. Does every Christian have at least one gift? The answer to that is yes. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Is that in anywhere ambiguous or unclear? Each of us, as Christ followers, have at least one spiritual gift. Peter, that was Paul. P 
Peter said in uh, 1 Peter 4.10, by the way, the text, uh, the, the address is wrong on the, the screen. Uh, Peter says this in 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another. When you identify your spiritual gifts and use them to the best of your ability, it enhances and it flourishes the body of Christ. So yesterday I was over here, and uh, we have um, uh, two kind of dynamic um, teams that do landscape. Um, one of them is headed up by um, uh, Ron and Jill Nordstrom, who oversee the whole landscaping ministry, and the other one's headed up by Jim Sellen. And both of them have these great teams. Well, after they had done their work, two of them, Ron and Matt Miller, the guy that was one of the guys that was baptized last week, they were stayed after and they were working on some other things. Now, for some of you, that would be like the worst thing in the world to work outside trying to figure out the sprinkler system on five acres and all of that. You know. But they were enjoying it and they were loving it and they were relishing it because that's how God has gifted them to be helpers, to use their hands. We need to experience that. Everybody has at least one spiritual gift. So, all of you have spiritual gifts. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say to them, you are highly gifted, okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, you are highly gifted. Okay, awesome, beautiful. Now, if you are, what are they, right? That's what you want to know next. Okay, what are, now in the Bible, depending on what list you look at, by the way, uh, if you want to learn more about this, and I'll go give you some resources, um, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4. All of these, you put them together, and you'll get a list of anywhere from 27 to 39 spiritual gifts, and there's ways to identify that. We'll talk about that in a few moments. But here's what you find when you study all of the spiritual gifts. You'll find that there are two things, two, two themes. One is variety, complete variety, and one is unity. All of the gifts are different, but they're all used for one purpose, and that one purpose is to build up the body of Christ, and why are we to be built up? So that we can be champions? No. So that we can be rich? No. So that we can be cool? No. We lost that a long time ago. So we can do what God called us to be. We are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Remember, we talked about this for weeks. We are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. God has given us specific orders, each and every one of us, from heaven to come to earth to carry the good news of God's reconciling power of Jesus Christ to the world. So as the body of Christ, we are building each other up so that we are prepared to do that. Some do that by speaking words like me. Some do that by using your hands like you. Some do that by teaching children. Some do that by teaching youth. Everybody has a gift, and God wants us all to use this. And when we do, we are using those. There's not only this variety of gifts, but there's this unity in the giftedness. Now, um, variety. The, Paul uses the example of a body, okay? That's why we're called the body of Christ. The body has fingers and ears, noses. Uh, some of us have hair. Uh, we have elbows and we have hips and we have all of these different parts of the body. And Paul uses that analogy to describe how the church, the body of Christ, functions well. We don't need all noses. I mean, if we were all noses, all we would do is know when something stinks, okay? We aren't all ears. We aren't all fingers. We aren't all toes. But we are all together. We function together as one body to then go out into the world and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. In other words, we need you. If you're just a little toe and you say, I'm not very significant, we need you. 
If you're an ear or a mouthpiece like I am, we need you. If you're a hand where you're a servant, we need you. If you're a teacher, we need you. If you make coffee, we need you. We need you. All of us functioning together to go out into the world to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Carry that reconciling power of God's love to the world. We need each other. And we need each other to work together in unity. The most efficient church in the world is the church that understands their spiritual gifts and uses them. And everybody has a part. And that's the church that is running on all cylinders. This is how God wired you. This is how you can best become an ambassador of Jesus Christ. So foundational question number three. What does the Bible teach about spiritual gifts? Now I'm going to move through this quickly. I thought about doing this in two weeks, but I thought, no, we'll just blast through it and trust those of you who are type A's, those of you who were in Catholic school and sat on the front row, will trust you to do all the work for the rest of us, okay? And you will. So I'm going to give you nine biblical principles. Just tick them off. You'll fill them in on your sheet, so it'll help you remember. Nine summary principles of, um, that te- the Bible teaches about spiritual gifts. Number one, every Christian has at least one gift. And write this verse down, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Number two, only believers have spiritual gifts. You're saying, well, but pastor, all people have certain talents and abilities. Of course they do. But the difference between a talent and an ability, because we're all created in God's image, those are wonderful things. But a spiritual gift is a supernatural gift the, the Father has given us, the Spirit has given us when we become a child of God. Okay, that's different. So talents and abilities, everybody has. Spiritual gifts, only believers. 1 Corinthians 2.14. No one, verse number three, no one receives all of the gifts. Some of you are what I call greedy Christians. You want it all, right? I want everything, you know, and I want all the gifts of the Spirit. I want miracles and healing and preaching and tongues. I want the whole thing. No, no, you don't get all of the spiritual gifts. Everyone has at least one. Some have more than one, but no one receives all of the gifts. Otherwise, we would have, we'd all be noses again, right? Number four, no single gift is given to everyone. Hear that one again. No single gift is given to everyone. So one of the big controversies, well, it started actually the turn of the 20th century with the modern Pentecostal movement. One of the controversies for 100 years has been, what do we do with the gift of speaking in tongues? Some of you come from traditions where that's very common. We try to approach it from a very biblical point of view, and it's this. That's one of the spiritual gifts. But everybody doesn't have that. And that is not given to everybody. It's given to some, but it's not given to everybody. So that's the same thing with every spiritual gift. No single gift is given to everyone. The Bible is very clear on that. 1 Corinthians 12, 29, and 30. Number five, the Holy Spirit decides, decides what gifts I get. You don't get to decide. Yeah, but I want, I, want, I want preaching. I want to be up on the stage. You know? Well, if you tried it once, you'd say, I don't want preaching anymore. Okay. So, but you don't get to decide. The Holy Spirit knows what this body needs from you to present this body to the world with God's reconciling love. God knows exactly what you need and what we need, and that's what he determines. Number six, the gifts I'm given are permanent. The gifts I'm given are are permanent. Romans eleven twenty nine. Number seven, I am to discover slash deploy in your notes the gifts God gives me. So what's my job? My job is to discover and deploy the gifts God gives me. Now, I'll just want to take a, a, a pause right here. Uh, as you leave the sanctuary, 
on the black table to the left, there's a stack of these. Now, some of you have done this multiple times. How many of you have done a spiritual gifts inventory before? Raise your hand. I would say at least half, maybe a little more than half of you. Okay, now you may want to do it again, and, and that would be great, but this is specifically for those who have never taken a spiritual gifts inventory. So when you leave the sanctuary, the table to your left, there's a stack of these. Be sure and take it home. Go through it. It's easy to understand. It'll take you about an hour to do it, and you'll come up with your spiritual gifts. And then what we would encourage you to do, um, that Pastor Brandon and I, we would love you to make like a 15-minute appointment with us and we'll help you understand what that means, okay? So I just want you to know that's a, an action item for those of you that want to understand what your spiritual gifts are. So I am to discover, deploy the gifts God gives me. Number eight, an unused gift will result in a wasted life. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. Matthew 25, 14 to 30. An unused gift will result in a wasted life. You know what? <laughs> when we die... And before some of these kids graduate from high school in 2026, some of us will be gone, right? But when we die, what do you want on your gravestone? I mean, you, well, he, was, he was rich. Uh, he was successful. Uh, he was a really good soccer player. Come on. Be thinking, what do you want on your gravestone? This is what we're talking about. When you understand your gifts and you understand the giftedness that God has given you and you work out of that giftedness, your life becomes a beacon. It becomes a beam. It becomes something exciting. It becomes something real and people see it and know it. This really matters. And the last thing, number nine, is this. Using my gifts honors God and grows me. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, John 15, 8. So a while back, I was cleaning out our junk drawer. Every once in a while, like every two years, uh, I take the junk drawer, and when Sherry's not around, I um, dump, 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 dump the whole thing in the trash can. And when I do that, the next day, without her ever looking in the junk drawer, she asked me for something that was in the drunk junk drawer that she hadn't used for 10 years. Okay, so that's just the way it works in our family. Okay, yeah, right. So, so anyway, so I empty it out. And, but uh, uh, last time I did this, I, I found a flashlight. And we're always looking for a flashlight. You know, I don't know why, but it'd be fun to have one that worked. And we don't. So I took the flash. And here's a nice flashlight. And naturally, you turn it on, and you don't expect it to come on, right? because it's been sitting in the drawer for two years, right? You don't expect it. So I take it apart, and sure enough, battery acid has gotten all through the works, and it's just a mess, and it's terrible. And, and, and when I used that flashlight, I put brand new, fresh batteries in it. And I had stored the flashlight in a safe, warm place, right? Our junk drawer, right? But there was one problem. The batteries were not designed. They weren't made to be warm and comfortable. They were designed to be turned on. That's why you keep them in your refrigerator when you want to keep them alive. They're not designed to be warm and comfortable. They're designed to be turned on. It's the same for us. We weren't created to be warm, safe, and comfortable. You and I are desired, God desires to turn us on, to keep us alive, to make a difference in our church and in our world. And we do that when we understand and use the spiritual gifts that God has given to us. You and I are designed to be turned on. We are designed to put our gifts to work, to apply our faith. Don't be a Christian that sits in a drawer. The next foundational question, number four, is this. Now, remember, we're talking about discovering and developing our spiritual gifts. Number four, what, question number four is this. What are the benefits of spiritual 
Gifts. Now, this is the part where I challenge you. If you haven't felt challenged yet, now's the time to turn on your challenge ear, okay? This is where I challenge you. And I basically dare you, and I use the word dare because it's an acrostic that I'm going to use. I dare you to discover and develop your spiritual gifts. So four things, D-A-R-E. The first thing you need, the first benefit of your spiritual gifts is direction. It provides direction. It provides you with a clear vision of how you're supposed to live your life. Of course, when I was uh, first in the 1970s, when I first did these spiritual gifts inventories, I recognized right then, and it's all my life, it's been the same, my spiritual gifts are leading, teaching, preaching, that's the same gift, and evangelizing. Those are my spiritual gifts. And so when, um, in 1997, when I uh, was out of the ministry because of my gambling addiction, uh, there were times when I was feeling really sorry for myself, you know, like the whole world's picking on me. I can't be a pastor anymore. Like, and I told you, well, I'll just, I'll just go, back to do, I'll, I'll go back to being an engineer. Or I'll go and teach math. And like that. And she'd always kind of look at me with that look. You know, like, you know, she didn't have to say anything. She just gave me the look. Guys, you know, you know the look? Okay, yeah, yeah, you know the look. And, and, she's given, and basically what she was saying is this. Listen, the Bible's very clear on this. Your gifts and your abilities, your spiritual gifts and your abilities, are without repentance. You can't recall them. You can't say, okay, no longer has God gifted me. When God gives you a gift, a spiritual gift, he gives it to you for life. Now, so God had a conversation with me, something like this. Dwayne, I know you screwed up, okay? I know you messed up. But now is not a time to whine and say, poor me. Now is not a time to go off and do something else, as good as that thing might be. Now is the time to get your body, your soul, your heart healed and forgiven and move on because I still have places for you to go, people for you to teach, places for you to preach, and people for you to win to Christ. I still have all of those things for you. Your call is without repentance. If you ever think that, okay, well, I did used to have the spiritual gift of, of helping with children, for instance, but I don't anymore. No, you're just lazy. <laughs> you still do. You just don't want to do that anymore. We need to understand the benefits, and the benefits of spiritual gifts is that we have a direction. We know what we're supposed to do. The second thing, A, is accomplishment. Now, raise your hand if you're right-handed. Okay? Okay? Keep it up there for a second. Okay? Now, raise your hand if you're wrong-handed. I mean left-handed. Okay? Okay, fewer. And that's about the national average, right? Now, if I were to ask you to write your name or to write a paper or write a paragraph with your opposite hand, what would that look like? Okay, for me, uh, when I was in the sixth grade, I broke my right arm. And I was in a cast all the way to my hand. So I had to learn to write with my left hand. Those are the I mean, I was 11 years old and it was miserable. And it took me longer. It looked ugly. You know, after a while I got pretty good at it. But when we are serving, when we are living our lives without our spiritual gifts in, in, you know, in, in play, it's like we're writing with our off hand. It's like I'd be writing with my left hand. I don't want to live my life left-handed if God has made me right-handed. I don't want to live my life right-handed if God has made me left-handed. I want to live my life with God's blessing. And he has gifted me to do certain things. He has gifted you to do certain things. When you live within your gifts, you accomplish so much for the kingdom. Remember what Swindoll said? Ease, efficiency, and a sense of accomplishment. Rabbi Harold Kushner said this, the average person is not afraid to die. They are afraid, however, to get to the end of their life and discover 
that they've never really lived. Don't underlive. Don't make something with a high value that's not a high value. Understand your spiritual gifts. Use them in the body of Christ. Use them as a church that we can make an impact in the world for God. We can take the reconciling power of God to the world. Spend your entire life sometimes spiritually writing with the wrong hand. Let's don't do that. Let's experience the sense of accomplishment God gives us when we are working in by his spirit. R. So that's D-A-R is resources. God gives resources to the church to do everything we need to do. Did you know that our church has every resource we need? We have every dollar we need. We have every human being we need. We have every gifted person we need to make an impact in Chandler and Gilbert and throughout the whole Phoenix metro area. We have everything. But we need everybody working on all cylinders. We need everybody doing their part. We need everybody saying, you know what, this is what I can do. And it's not the whole thing, but it's a piece of the puzzle. This is what I can do, and I promise you that I will do that. The last thing is E, encouragement. When you are using your spiritual gifts, you encourage the body. On Good Friday, uh, now I knew, uh, Emily, you heard play the, uh, the keyboard today. By the way, they've discovered, they've unlocked some things in the keyboard. It does some amazing, I don't know if you heard, but there were some things going on with the keys that we don't normally hear. Very cool, Emily, wherever you are. And, but on, a th- on, on uh, a Good Friday, how many of you were blown away by Emily's uh, playing the clarinet? Wasn't it amazing? I mean, now, if I were to try that, Forget it, you know, if you were to try that. But there is this giftedness that she uses for the kingdom that is remarkable. Or uh, Barb or Tina Freeman or Miss Shirley over in the children's department. They are gifted and they are called to work with children. Or Mikey and Brian and Ryan and Cress and the others that are gifted to work with our teenagers. Some of you, if you had to go and work with your teenagers, that would kill you. It would, de- de- it would just deflate you. You just would have. But when you are working within your strengths within your spiritual gifts. You encourage the body of Christ. Uh, Joan working with marginalized women, Mike Pulley or John Kerry or Cress, uh, whether they're serving, always serving under the surface, always serving when people aren't looking. Uh, last Sunday, actually last Saturday, um, the roses arrived. We ordered 200 roses to give out to the moms on Mother's Day, to all the gals on Mother's Day, which I hope you enjoyed those. And so they got here, and uh, Pat Bale, our head secretary, and I looked at each other, and they were beautiful, but they had like a billion thorns on each one of them. And our idea, right, our plan was to have the children pass them out to the parents. We could just see the blood stains on the carpet, you know. And, And so what does Pat do? She calls our group of volunteer women. We have about six or eight of them. On a Saturday, says, can you come over and take all of the thorns off of the roses? 200 roses. Each of them had about 25 thorns. And you know, guess what happened? That's exactly what they did. When everybody is using their spiritual gifts, whether it's the gift of serving, the gift of teaching, the gift of leading, when you are using your gifts, it encourages the entire body of Christ. So ladies, when you received that rose last week, I hope you're encouraged that somebody loved and cared for you enough to not only buy those roses, but cut all of those thorns off of those roses. So that's it. Dare, direction, accomplishment, resources, and encouragement. That's why the, the body of Christ needs your spiritual, your spiritual gifts. Last question. How do I get started? Well, I'm glad you asked. Okay, how do I get started using my gifts? The first step is always the most important. And if you're new to our church, you'll hear this over and over and over again. The first step is this. First, I dedicate myself to Jesus Christ. I say yes to him. 
I say, I've tried running my own life. I've tried controlling my own life and my own sphere of influence. I've not been successful. My life is a mess. I've sinned. I've broken people's hearts. My heart is broken. I don't know what to do. I can tell you what to do. Dedicate your life to Jesus Christ. Give your life to him. He has a life, the Bible says, that is abundant, that is rich and teeming with life. He has a life that is um, forever, that lasts forever. A life that is forgiven. Your sins are forgiven in their past, present, and future. Your sins are put under the blood of Jesus. All of this is for those who say yes to Jesus Christ. I dedicate my life to him. I'm going to just take a few verses from Romans chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, flip over there for a minute. Romans 12, because I want to give you uh, uh, some of these steps of how you use your spiritual gifts from Romans chapter 12. So the first verse is this. And so, dear brothers and sisters... I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Dedicate my life to Jesus Christ. Now, at the end of the service, we always have what we call an altar team. Some of you that are new to our church don't know what they are. The altar team is up here for really two reasons. One reason is to pray for you and with you, if you desire. You come forward, they'll pray with you. Uh, the other reason, and they're all prepared to do this, is if you're interested in what it means to follow Christ, to pray to receive Christ, they're ready to lead you in that prayer, okay? So at the end of the service, if you have never dedicated your life to Jesus Christ, I invite you to come and talk to one of the people on the prayer team, on the altar team, and they will talk to you about what it means to dedicate your life to Jesus Christ. The second thing you do to get started on your spiritual gifts is to eliminate any distractions. Look at Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Eliminate any distractions. Step number three, and this is verse number three. Step number three is evaluate my areas of giftedness. Verse three says it this way. Let me find verse three in my Bible. Here we go. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of others, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us evaluate your areas of giftedness. And now the way to do this, spiritual gifts assessment, you can go online and look under spiritual gifts and there'll be a dozen different type of spiritual gift assessments. If you have an old copy of that, take it out, look at it again. And then you pray and you, and you come and talk to us if you want an appointment with Brandon and I. Anything of this, anything that you can do, we can do to help you discover your spiritual gifts and use them. We will do that. We are ready and able to do that. Evaluate your areas of giftedness. And then step four, activate my gifts by starting to serve. Activate, activate my gifts by starting to serve. And this is Romans 12.6. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with such faith as God has given you. Activate your faith. And the question is, as we close, is what are we waiting for? So there was a, uh, a Brit by the name of Jack Harris a few years ago who lost his elderly wife. And to occupy his time, he took up um, putting together these ginormous 
jigsaw puzzles. I mean, some of you have seen them. Now, you've all seen the hundred-piece ones, you know, the ones that the little kids have with the pieces like that. And then the thousand pieces, very challenging. But did you know that they have them all the way up to 5,000 and even 10,000 pieces? And that's what Jack Harris did. He worked on his puzzle. It was a 5,000-piece a a puzzle depicting a 150-year-old painting of the return of the prodigal son. Okay, that's what his, his, uh, his puzzle was. Uh, so uh, he took seven years working every day, several hours a day, to put this puzzle together. And when he was 86 years old, he was finally ready to finish the puzzle. 4,999 pieces of the puzzle put in place. But he couldn't find the 5,000th piece. You know, the only thing he figured is his dog, it was knocked off the table and his dog ate it. But he was distraught, but finally he wrote to the company. They no longer made that puzzle, but they wrote to the company. And because they thought it was an extraordinary story, the company actually produced that one last piece and they sent it to him for free so he could finish his puzzle. But almost everybody I know could sympathize with that. I know I do. I mean, who hasn't put together a puzzle and discovered the last piece missing? And then when you do that, what happens? When you come and say, show, show off your puzzle. Oh, look at this puzzle. What do they see? They don't see the puzzle. They, oh, look, there's a piece missing. Okay. Yeah, that's all that they see. They don't see the prodigal son. You know, they all look. There's a piece missing. That's what they notice, the missing piece. That's a God's eye view when you're not func functioning using your spiritual gifts. Perhaps you believe that no one will miss you if you drop off the table or if the dog eats you, right? Nothing could be further from the truth. God's perspective is this. I have a one-of-a-kind spot for you, just for you. God created you as a unique individual, and without you, this puzzle, this puzzle that we call Hope Covenant Church, remains unfinished. There are people and churches and causes that will never reach their God-given potential if you don't find your God-given gifts and step into that place. Surprising as it may seem to you, you may be the exact missing puzzle piece of some group or some person or Hope Covenant Church that is looking for you right now. Would you pray with me, please? Would you bow your heads? Father, we are so grateful that you've not only created us to be the body of Christ, but you've created us with unique talents and abilities, unique giftedness. And so, Father, our prayer this morning is that every single person in our church would understand that, would embrace that, and would open their hearts to the gifts that you have called them to. Lord, may we be a church that is highly functioning because everybody's doing their part to reach one more person for Jesus Christ. And we ask this in the precious name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.